welcome to Two Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and we have watched multiple times the episode 404, not found. This is maybe the most common error code that people would be familiar with. Yep. Uh, in all of HTTP. Yeah. You've been to a website that's no longer there. You get the old 404 not found. You 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 fumble fucked your keyboard and you typed an extra character into Google.com. You either got a Russian boner pill site or you got this error. Uh, and, and there's a lot of relevance for this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this I mean, episode. Lost, the definition of lost is not found. So yes, a couple of our characters are lost this episode. There, there. This this entire thing swirls around the themes of of being lost and um. Hitting rock bottom. I feel like there's mm-hmm. several characters here who hit an emotional rock bottom, have an epiphany, and then find the courage to keep going forward. Um, and maybe this is the point of the season where Dom will start to be brought back into the protagonist side of the story. Seems like it, yeah. Because it seems like, you know, her washing her face and Darlene wiping her nose and Elliot doing whatever Elliot's doing in the snow uh, mm-hmm. is... is, is some kind of resolve forming amongst our heroes. Yeah, I I was not thinking in these terms when I first watched the episode, but mm-hmm. once I caught the reference to uh The Stranger by Camus, I didn't I didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. Uh I saw the Reddit caught it and I went down a fucking rabbit hole. This episode is existential as fuck. Mm. I, I couldn't believe once once I started viewing it through that lens, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, he's writing uh, an existentialist play here." Interesting, uh, and and perhaps it extends further into the series than I, than I thought before. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it. Okay, yeah, I'm excited but, for that because I uh, I saw the reference and I got the reference, but I didn't. Uh, to me, this is just like I said, part of the the hero story where the, the they 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 hit an emotional rock bottom and mm-hmm. then find the strength to persevere. But uh, I'm curious to see because yeah, there's a lot of law lo- uh, themes of loss and alienation and. Yeah, and and whatnot kind of boiling and roiling beneath the surface this this episode. Um, There's even some. I mean, it's a gorgeous episode too. It you know, is the, some of these shots, like Tyrell walking into the the moonlit fog, is some of the best, like most striking imagery I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mr. Robot has that in spades, but also it's kind of comedy in yeah. there. Some laugh out loud funny scene. At least one of them. Yeah, I um, the stuff with the Santa. Uh, yeah, is so so funny. Um, the uh, J- John Glazer is the guy who plays uh, the drunk Santa, and how I thought because I was with Darlene, I'm like, this is going to a really dark place, and holy shit, what's it going? What's what's going to happen? And then like the fact that that's just a big misunderstanding at the end, I thought was really yeah. funny. His reaction to Darlene, genuinely pouring his heart her heart out to him, his like. Okay, and just <laughs> <laughs> going in and walking to his yeah. house is 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 perfect. Um, and he did a great he did a great job with it. So, mm-hmm. and we very rarely do we get a big comedy moment like this in Mister Robot. It's not known for yeah. tahas. And I think you know this this reads a lot more into what Darlene is thinking at the time. It does is Santa obviously? Uh, you know, with her brother, she's very concerned about him at the moment. Um, so she reads too much into it. And yeah, I like that, that element and the fact that they can provide a lot of comedy at the same time makes it even better. Yeah. Anything else to say about this episode before we get into the recap? No, it's, uh, it's kind of like a catch your breath episode. Uh, 
catch catch up with what's going on in the interior of our characters. Do a little I, bit of character development. I heard people calling it a bottle episode. I disagree. No, it's not I a bottle. Very much it disagree. fails. It fails like every single criteria of a bottle yeah. episode. I think I think that's turning into just a catchphrase of like this. You know, we used to call them uh, setting the table episodes. Ah, yeah. Like before you go, you know, you 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 have breakfast. You got to clear the table, set the table, so you can have dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing here. Like we've we've had a pretty intense, you know, bam 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 set uh, sequence of events um and catastrophes and now we've got to get everybody back in position that need to be for act two of this season how many more of these type of episodes do you think we'll get in this season because i i don't I'm see room for a ton of them i'm expecting maybe one more yeah. to like to to, to set things in in motion for the third act and final act uh-huh. but uh that's just a guess yeah, I imagine we're gonna, you know, we're gonna push ahead in the plot a little bit, maybe get one more slowdown, and then they're teasing. I didn't. They're 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 teasing that next week is going to be some kind of like slap your mom, go fuck yourself. You've never <laughs> seen anything like this episode. Uh-huh. Um, which you know that that could be that could be network marketing bravado, but this right. show has the capability of backing it up. So, and I'm hearing it from like reviewers who've seen the first five, right? And so. you you wonder like. In a show that's did like a really fantastic one shotter, um, yeah. last uh, very intense action oriented one shotter. Are they going to return to that, or do they have a different twist on it? It's um, all Fraggle Rock next episode. Going to be they, that's all. where Tyrell's headed down to Fraggle Rock. How do you top a Christmas <laughs> Halloween episode? You do it all yep. claymation, right? Uh, how, you do, fr- how do we introduce the Alf Full House kind of <laughs> element again? Fraggle Rock, baby. Yeah, it's stop motion with GI Joes. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah so I, i'm i'm curious to see I, I imagine we're we're in um for a a I, I wonder if there will be a third act because it's fucking christmas already yeah uh there's only what six days before the end of the year mm-hmm. uh there's not a lot of time when in which action can take place so maybe yeah. maybe i'm being optimistic thinking we'll have another breath catching episode i mean we know the world's ending on one one sixteen, so fact you're right don't have much time left all right time for housekeeping and guys and gals i'm not gonna lie there's just too much good tv to keep up with right now too much for any one human to keep up with yet we valiantly try if you want to keep up with any of these just search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe we do is our watchman podcast two weeks in it's been a total delight we're giving it the full treatment instant live take and talk podcast for club members on sunday night and a full podcast with recap and analysis each tuesday pickle me this is our rick and morty podcast wrapping up with season three coverage it releases every tuesday this week we're talking morty's mind blowers with iffy wadue from the maximum fun network he's a really fun interview and we talked about whether we should stress about shifting dimensions on American Horror Story Podcast, we are covering season nine, the 1984 season. Comes out every Friday morning. Don't look now, but this week is the Halloween episode, almost guaranteeing a banger. Cecil and I are also doing our Cinema Spooktacular. It's our third annual. The first two episodes are out. The third episode will drop on Halloween Eve, Eve, this 30th, this uh, this Wednesday. Cecily and Alexis of Pin Y fame will be covering his dark materials on Bald Move TV starting on Monday, November 4th. But you don't have to wait now. You can download their coverage that they began last week with a review of the 2007 Golden Compass movie. Finally, if you're in the mood for spooky stories to tell in the dark, check out our newest feature, Lunch with Jim and Aaron, reheated. 
This is where we release our five-year-old club member-only lunch podcast for everyone to enjoy. This Thursday, we have the classic lunch where Jim and I turn off the studio lights and tell spooky stories from our childhood. Can your spine handle the tingle from the tail of the church on Joppa Road? Check out this week's reheated lunch and find out. Once again, if any of those sound good, just search for the show name wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can find them all on baldmove.com. Uh, okay, let's get into the recap. We start off, we, we find out that, yes, they did, in fact, hear Tyrell blabbing his stupid mouth about taking down White Rose. Uh, Elliot kind of stalls for time here with the uh, computer malfunctions while Tyrell, long enough for Tyrell to get to the van parked outside and just take a hammer to this guy who's monitoring them. It's a pretty vicious. And, and I love hurt. Elliot's reaction to seeing t- what Tyrell's done. Yeah. Because this is just... This is Tyrell's mo. Like mm-hmm. he will, he has no problem taking a hammer to some dude's head. Whereas Elliot's like, oh my god. Yeah, has Elliot killed someone with his bare hands in this? I don't think series? so. No. Uh, consensus of Reddit as of uh, the beginning of season four that he has not killed anyone, possibly Romero, depending on how what what we know about that. Yeah, what so. happens during those days? I, I got a big question here, though. Uh huh. Why wouldn't the Dark Army be uploading this shit real time to the cloud? They they seem I'm just gonna say it technologically savvy. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because it's required by the plot? I don't know. There is a there is a theory that I don't think holds much water that Tyrell is working for White Rose to save his son's life. Mm-hmm who is in the Dutch orphanage, as we found out, I think, this episode. Um, which does... the the So the one thing that this theory has going for it is it neatly solves the problem of what the fuck is why the Dark Army took stupid pills and forgot how to use technology. Right. Uh, because this is all part of the plan. Um, but that's literally the only thing it got, it, it's got going for it because everything else is kind of like yeah. cuckoo but nuts bananas, which doesn't mean it's not true. Sure, um, but it, it introduces so many complications. It really does. It really does. I don't think they're going for. Plus, uh, you got to explain like if this guy's if if this is part of the plan, why does he curse the stupid antenna? Mm-hmm. You know, like why the, the who is he performing uh, for people, inside? People say, that? oh, well, this is the plan B. Like the plan A didn't go off as planned, yeah. but the plan B did. But there's but there's also the idea no, that like people were saying last episode is like, it seems like on dark army that they're being so sloppy in their surveillance. But like, I think that the oppressive surveillance is the point. Like Elliot's supposed to understand that he is being watched and Mm -hmm. they're not being really subtle because he's kind of owned by the dark army at this point. But I, I don't know. I, yeah, it it should be child's play in New York city. Mm -hmm. There's probably three different methods he could use. Not, counting cellular data mm-hmm. to real-time transmit this this audio. And I guess we don't technically know that he didn't, although... I mean, the, Elliot the looks over the, the van and says it's clean and that there that nothing got so like if... It, it, yeah, it, that's it, true. Which is the bigger Elliot leap in logic like that Elliot can't get on a computer and know exactly what it's right. done or, yeah. you know, White Rose just got cheap. I'm willing to overlook it because I think this episode was so good in every other respect. This is as a new Dark Army recruit. They don't get unlimited data plans until they've been pledged for six months. So, and he only had five months in. Mm -hmm. And it's Christmas Eve. What do you want? Dark Army, like the the best, most experienced Dark Army operatives working on Christmas Eve? Oh, no, they're kicked back with their family and beer. Yeah, yeah. Christmas is important to White Rose. Look how how carefully she uh, balanced her tree. (laughs) Okay. 
And when it wasn't perfect, she smashed it. That's how that's that's how True. serious she is about Christmas. All right, let's move on. Uh, Darlene got into Olivia's bank account, but she doesn't have access required to transfer the money out. So she says they have to break into this place called Virtual Realty, which I I assume is where she tracked the proxies to. Otherwise, they, they don't really make a great connection there. Song too. A Jamiroquai song, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then get at their servers. Um, Elliot isn't answering her calls, and Darlene's super pissed. So she leaves him this very hateful message, but then deletes it and decides to leave a reasonable one. First watch through, how scared were you that Darlene's going to get her ass ran over? Just sitting oh, there in the middle of the street, and like the way it was yeah. shot, kept, I'm like, I'm the, the, the camera's going to spin around. It's going to be headlights. Uh-huh. Like, what the fuck? And it's going to be another complication. But no, she doesn't get ran over. Yeah, because the streets of New York are dead on on Christmas Eve. Apparently, yeah, the back alleys are. I can or, buy uh, that. This isn't even a back alley. It's this not is a, a, a realtor. Uh. I don't know. Have, have we heard of this place before? Is I, this a callback? Should I know what this is, or did she just track the proxy here? I I think so. I don't. I don't think we've heard it. Um, okay. People mentioned that Virtual Realty is the brand of realtors in like the Toy Story movies. Huh. Okay. Um, also, it's kind of like if you're on the simulate. All this is yeah, a yeah. simulation theory. Then this is red meat for that. You yeah. know, Virtual Realty, Virtual Reality. Right. Yeah. But I'm confident that there are real estate agencies called virtual realty in the United States just because, you know, there's probably an e-realty. There's probably an i-realty. There's, you know, right. we love these fucking high tech sounding it's, shit. So. It's a, it is a wonderfully ironic name. Yeah. I don't I'll know if there's any there there. Yeah. All right. And then we go over to Dom, who's masturbating to Darlene's interrogation footage. Jilling it. She's jilling it. The, she sure those, is. Those lips being licked and those eyes being shifted. Uh, for some reason, she quickly loses her appetite for Darlene and goes trolling for cybersex on IRC, but she falls asleep before she can arrange anything. Uh, Darlene, I, I was, I was, I guess, shocked to see how deep Darlene got her hooks in here. Mm. It's. <laughs> well, okay. How deep are those hooks? I, I don't know. There's something clearly psychologically strange going on with Dom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is misuse of, of, of FBI uh, materials for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it just, it was surprising. This yeah. is a surprising scene for me. I, did, I mean, like, you're getting the idea that Dom is like, hitting rock bottom. Yep. And she's about to hook up with a random person off of fucking internet relay chat. So, uh-huh. uh,. Uh yeah yeah I I don't I don't know plus she's always had this like kind of like her mental and emotional unhealthiness comes out in her relationship to technology like you know her yeah, yeah. kind Alexa. of almost falling in love with Alexa yeah um yeah I don't I don't know she's she's a, she's an odd person she's under a lot of stress I'm wondering where they're going to eventually go with her because they've had her in a holding pattern this entire first half of the season yeah uh I think we're out of that by the end of this but we'll see. Gotta be. Gotta be. Otherwise, why'd she get up and wash her face? You right. wash your face when you're resolved to... Do something. But that's so weird Whether because the whole the, the, the theme of the episode of, of her with this dream is probably her needing to give up control and yeah. like, you know, just to submit to whatever the taxidermist wants. So Oh man, we're gonna get there. All right. I got I got so much camu analysis. Yeah. I got camu Brimming. coming out of my jamu. You got <laughs> you got no idea. And and I apologize ahead of time because that's pretty much the this there's a reference in this that defined my my research on the entire thing hmm. so it'll all be coming through one lens i but. can't wait to can't wait to hear it 
We'll get there. Not there yet. Uh, Darlene arrives at Elliot's apartment to find them missing, and this she sees this note and the bug that Elliot left on his table, and she decides to track him via the the chat app that she installed a GPS uh, link in the last episode, mm-hmm. um, and tracks him to Salamano's Stop and Shop. Once there, um, Elliot and Tyrell show up there. And Elliot tells, or Tyrell tells him to go buy a lighter. And as he has, he's getting some gas. And the woman at the counter sort of recognizes Tyrell, but can't place his face. He says, Yeah, I'm from Big Brother. Um, and when they go back outside, the van is gone. Yep. Should have checked, should have checked this guy's pulse. Yeah. Before you declared him dead or hit him with the claw in a couple times. I mean, you, you, my things like if you, so, so if you've hit someone with a hammer of deadly intent mm-hmm. um, and you need him to be dead, yeah. Well, why not just keep a couple more swings? That's fair. Yeah. You, Irving, did, Irving didn't stop at one axe chop. Nope. Not that's even cause, close. Cause, cause Irving, that's why Irving's not a failure in life yeah. like Wellick. It's true. He commits. He commits. <laughs> he, he gets some swings in for effe- uh, efficacy. Yeah. He gets some swings in for teaching and he gets some swings in for himself. <laughs> uh, Wellick needs to take that, you know, use that same energy that you beat up bums with. Uh-huh. To, to to tune this guy up, tune this guy's engine block of a head up. Tyrell hasn't even started his book. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, so here is where we get to this Camus stuff, um, because the name of this stop and shop is Salamanos. Mm. And as some sharp redditors pointed out, actually some some redditors who read more literature in high school than I did, uh, pointed out this is the name of a character in a Albert Camus book called The Stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a pretty short novel, but it's all about the inevitability of death and your your acceptance of that turning you into into sort of a stranger among your peers, because most people fight that notion hmm. their entire lives. And I think when you start to view this episode through that lens, so much of it makes sense. The ending comes into what I think is super clear focus, uh, and we'll kind of talk about that along the way as we get to those parts, but that's kind of where I'm coming from for okay. most of this analysis. I will admit there's uh, another competing interpretation that this is uh, a wise man parable, that they go to the land of Solomon, oh, the Solomonos, men and you got the three wise men chasing a light yeah, source man, through the dark. I, it's I'm pretty just thin done. stuff. I just don't want to see any Judeo-Christian allegory in yeah. my shit anymore. I'm done with it, man. Yeah. We've been doing this for 2,000 years. Can we not move on to something else? I don't know. I'm looking Some for Elliot to get pierced in his outlook. side and be reborn. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Like Neo in the Matrix. I mean, he did shout Jesus fucking Christ at that cross last time. So there you go. It's certainly in here. Mm-hmm. Just There's some text. Much. There's some text there. Uh, yeah. So I I guess we should move on to Darlene getting caught hacking uh, a drunken Santa's car. Oh, can I ask you something? Like, so when they show that the van is gone and they pan down and there's something in the foreground that looks like a gun, but it's not. What the hell was that? Mm. Was it the hammer? Maybe. You know, it might have been the gas hose left on the Oh, ground. yeah. It could be the nozzle for the for the gas. Yeah. So, yeah. I, it looked like it's, it's so close, but like um, 
when I was watching it on my DVR, I don't know that the like you know sometimes the codec that the saves that's it's just not up for the task yeah. of 1080p, and I just like it was like I that's metal. It looks like a pipe and it looks like a barrel, <laughs> but I don't know why they would show me like it kind of looks like an old timey gun. Maybe maybe it was maybe it was the the gas hose. That makes sense if you're if you're making your getaway. Yeah, and you just got hit in the head with a hammer real hard. Yeah. Yeah. you're probably not putting that thing back on the the you machine. Just, you just drive off. Yeah, you're not surprised yeah. it didn't get pulled out off of the thing. Maybe it did. Oh, you think he just drove off? I, th- I assumed he took it out, threw it on the ground. And oh, really? Why would it. you do that if you got hit in the hammer? You just just pedaled in metal. Those things quick disconnect, man. Do they really? Yeah. Oh shit. Ask me how I know. Why have I ever put one of those back then? <laughs> yeah, because it turns out they don't like it when you drive off like that. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. So Darlene's uh, hacking this drunken Santa's car, trying to steal it. Uh, he, he catches her and has questions for her, including whether she can start his car for him because he lost his keys. Uh, she offers to drive his drunk ass home if she can borrow his car afterwards. And Seems he like a fair deal. Yeah, this whole interaction is ridiculous. Like, f- from the moment it starts, I I was really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. This guy is too drunk to live. Yeah. Too drunk to function. Uh, gets into what we think at the time is his own car with the thief <laughs> agreeing to a ride home and then letting her borrow the car yeah i mean it's he's it's super first of all he's super drunk second of all like he, I, he's the kind of drunk that like i don't know that he's got more than a goldfish memory like every 30 yeah. seconds he's his his memory's getting erased oh i think he's actively blacked out so yeah. so yeah so all he sees is this is an attractive slightly built woman that he can probably you know like what's she gonna do <laughs> and you know get get yeah she wants she's her friend he's just his friend she wants to take him home yeah sounds good to me i mean he needs a ride yeah all right and then elliot needs to make a phone call but the phones and the internet are down he's, he's got to warn darlene about the uh the impending dark army threat uh and they have to get to pike's hollow and the clerk uh sort of recognizes tyrell well like finally she's the fucking worst yeah, these people walk among us. What? Just people who chat your ear off just when you clearly just, have a mission. Just, just the you know talking about the inevitability of death. We all only have a finite time here at Earth. I don't <laughs> need you to waste it for me, lady. Yeah, and Mister Robot takes over and shouts at her. Yeah, I, lo- I loved it. I yeah. loved it to to get the location of this shortcut to the town. Uh, she tells him to learn some manners on the walk, and they head off. Do you think she deliberately gave them the wrong directions of the shortcut as no. a way to? Sh- nah, I don't either. Nope. Okay. I don't think so. Um, I I don't think them being physically lost is really what this episode is about. Really? Because yeah. what if what if Tyrell's working for White Rose this whole time and he's deliberately I mean, turning? Yeah, there's that possibility. Turning Elliot around in circles and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And he's not dead at the end, and he's going to come back. And yeah, sure. All of that, I don't believe. Okay. Uh. I guess let's keep going. Dom wakes up uh, and she gets back on chat and this guy offers to fuck her in real life. And she says, sorry, I'm in a girl's turnout. The guy uh, she's been speaking to is actually a girl. And she tells this girl, come to my place tonight. And she's local. She is. Those, those ads about local hot singles ready to fuck you. Not entirely untrue in the case of Darlene or I, Dorothy, Dom, Dom, yeah, you're right, Dor- Dorothy, Dorothy, Darlene. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This whole thing stunk of D- DA Dark Army to me when I was watching it the first time. Yeah, I was like, oh, this, 
it's not good. You're getting yeah. mixed up technologically in something that you shouldn't be. Yeah. And then I then I forgot about it. And then when the devil mask came out, I'm like, oh, yes, of course. And then the... the... I guess I'm surprised that Dom doesn't consider that possibility. Well, she's dreaming. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I know. I, I have a hard time, I guess, separating her subconscious thoughts from her conscious. Mm. But even in the subconscious, she knows the dark army is a thing because the dark army comes and fucking drowns her. I like, mean, I've had dreams where I forgot that I graduated high school and like my guidance counselor's draft, even though I have a diploma and my guidance counselor's making me show up for another semester of class. And I'm like, why the fuck do I have to do this? Like it's you, you have tenuous <laughs> grasp of all your information when you're in the dream world. That's fair. Uh, Don't even get started on that Freddy Krueger asshole. <laughs> I guess another thing that surprised me is she's not really living with her mom. She's living on her own. Yeah. Uh, I thought, based on previous episodes this season, that she was living with her mom. But I, I think guess she, maybe she was staying there temporarily. Yeah, I think that maybe, like, right... Because that was before the flash forward, right? Wasn't it? Because she was avoiding... Nah, maybe it wasn't. Because I'm trying to think of how many months we jumped forward. It was a couple. But I was trying to yeah. think of, like, when, you know... Maybe, yeah, maybe. I think it was after the flash forward. Because I thought, like, yeah, I, th I thought it was. Um, I interpreted that as like this was right after the Ant the Santiago stuff had happened, and she's like super fucking traumatized. And I could buy that she would move out of her mother's house in order to potentially spare her mother, because that invasion oh, by too. Janice yeah. is like profoundly scary right 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 now you've got your mother having dinner with the dark army yeah by your proximity so you need to stay the fuck away yeah so like even... which is maybe why she doesn't go to christmas eve dinner right yeah that that all tracks yeah so i can see her moving back into her place at this point even if that's gonna just fuck her brain up more than it already is mm -hmm. um so then tyrell elliot and mr robot really just tyrell and elliot are walking through the woods Tyrell asks if Elliot ever thinks of disappearing and starting over. He says, no, they can't find the shortcut markers and begin to point fingers and argue. And they hear something spooky in the woods, a howl. Uh, Tyrell worries about that woman recognizing him. That's kind of the whole scene. A lot of walking and talking in this episode. Yeah, there's also this um, this soliloquy that, that Mr. Robot has about, you know, if you search, if you lose something and you search and you find all as well, but what if you search and don't find, how long do you look? At some point, you got to give up, right? Yeah. Um, and there's like a, he kind of builds this whole thesis over the course of the episode. I think, we've, you know, we should acknowledge that this is where a lot of the beauty of the episode comes from, like these late night uh, in the snow, tinted by moonlight, are gorgeous scenes and the soundtrack is very kind of Tim Burton-y. It's got like the the sleigh bell stuff from like Christmas, but it's also got kind of like some haunting lunar yeah. uh, notes as well. Yeah, the Tim Burton call out is real good. Yeah. Because it it sounds a lot like that. It's it's a, it's a very Christmassy Halloween, Halloween-y Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, someone made a joke on Reddit about that's, uh, uh, <laughs> that's uh, one of White Rose's most elegant time hacks to have Christmas on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, they got to be playing around with this, right? Being Probably. so close to Christmas, they knew when the episode was going to air. Yeah, haven't they done this before with like specific air times of episodes? Might be. I don't know. I know that Game or, of Thrones famously killed uh, tier, uh, killed uh, one one person's father on Father's Day. 
Oh, nice. People are using that sort of a speculation, like the timing of episodes, because I know when they told Elliot, oh, you're a, you're a month old or whatever, mm-hmm. or when Elliot told that to someone. Mm-hmm. No, Angela told that to Elliot in a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. That episode aired like a month after the premiere mm. of the episode. So people are like timing out episodes and stuff. And I, it doesn't seem beyond Esmail to also do that. When does this season end? Is it in on Christmas Eve? Or very, the... very close. Okay. Um, it's a Sunday night before Christmas. Okay, okay. So I wonder, I don't know, they'll have a Halloween episode then. Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> we flash forward to the autumn right. of 2016. Uh, so here's where a lot of this Camus Stranger stuff comes in for uh-huh. me in, in the dialogue that they have while they're walking um, and and just trying to figure all that stuff out. Um, when Mr. Robot is talking about searching and finding for this this lost thing, uh, what ha- what becomes the thing you were searching for if you never find it? How could you ever know? To me, after I view it through the, the Stranger lens, um, and maybe I should explain what The Stranger is about. Yes, please because do. Because I, I knew nothing about The Stranger. I had never read it, never heard of it. I've heard, like I said, I was familiar with it largely due to references in Mad Men and Fargo that I've right. looked up and done some research I along mean, the way. But This feels like a fucking Mad Men episode after after discovering The, the Stranger. All the subtext, yeah. So The Stranger is about a person who very much does not feel any sort of emotion attached to his actions. Um, his mother dies at the begin at the beginning of the story, which you can kind of connect to Elliot, uh, how he had no reaction to his mother's death. Same thing happened to the character in The Stranger. Um, and over the course of this uh, short novel, he ends up doing some some good things and some heinous things, but never with any real intent, never with any meaning behind it. Um, he ends up killing somebody, uh, and he goes to prison, and he's sentenced to be guillotined hmm. and at at the point where he, he speaks to a priest who's like trying to convince him like do you really not believe that are you essentially a nihilist do you not believe that there's meaning in the world do you not think that life has a meaning and that your choices matter and at some point he grabs the priest and he just says none of this has any meaning and if you understood that you'd you'd understand life and when he's about to be guillotine guillotine sorry uh, he sort of has an epiphany that, that life is meaningless and that makes him happier because he now has a freedom hmm. to to live the rest of his very, very short days as as happily as he can because now he no longer grasps with this idea of what is the meaning of my life. What he, He's no longer struggling and like sort of kicking against the universe hmm. to try and understand the meaning of life. And so when I look at this thing that is... That someone would be searching for and never find, I look at it sort of as the meaning of life. And I think that's what Tyrell has been sort of looking for the entire time. And the thing that he envies about Elliot, that he Mm. never gave a shit. And so he's never had to grasp. He hasn't spent his whole life grasping with that, right? Yeah, there's also maybe it's now that you talked about this, is there a tie-in with the drunk Santa's observation that some like children are born to die? Yeah, like That's the purpose of all all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, everyone's born to die. Yeah. And then that's the only, that's the inevitable only outcome of life is death. Like yeah. David Simon said on the deuce that like any, any honestly told story ends in death. Yeah. A hundred percent correct in yeah. all, in all cases. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, so yeah, I find it like he's searching for a meaning to life and Mr. Robot is saying, what if you never find it? How could you ever even know? Mm-hmm. 
um, which makes that dialogue more interesting to me. Because, you know, it's not super interesting in the physical context of just, like, they're walking through the woods looking for a town, right? Yeah. Like, what? who the fuck cares, Right. ultimately? Um, but then we move on to Darlene chatting up this drunk Santa during the drive. He wonders what the world would be like without himself in it. And this should have been your first clue <laughs> when he starts talking about Jimmy mm. and and uh, seeing a world without himself in it that he is talking about. Did you? Yeah, but it's did, a wonderful did you life. get it on the first one? No. Yeah, because I, no. I it, it does seem obvious once he lays it out. I was a hundred percent with Darlene. Like this guy uh-huh. is going to dark places. Yeah, yeah. He's a troubled soul. Mm-hmm. But of course, I, I was also thinking Better Call Saul. He's talking about Jimmy falling on some tough times. Like, <laughs> Oh really? He's slipping on some fall, some some hard times. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. This this idea of it's a wonderful life because it's essentially the same. It's sort of like a follow on to uh, the stranger, in that it's a it's someone grasping with you know the consequences of their actions, mm. and and being shown a world without those those uh, consequences in it. If, in Jimmy Stewart's case, because he was a good person, the mm. consequences, you know, of his actions were all good, and and the world is much worse off without him. Um, and I'll I think still, that's what I'll still I'll still die on this hill. Potterville looked like a cool place to hang. Yeah, like I, it so? seems like it's it seems like the main strip of Potterville looked like fun for a uh, night, uh, like two upgraded, nights. Upgraded, upgraded, upgraded that little small town. I, I don't want to fucking live in Vegas, but I will go there for the weekend <laughs> and have a hell of a time. Yeah. Yeah, not, like not every not every street in main Main Street America needs to be for the the the, the kids. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Pot- Potterville had some had some nightlife. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they both they both try and answer this existential existential question about what is the meaning of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think you know the stranger doesn't come down on that topic at all. It sort of leaves that as an open question. Whereas it's a wonderful life sort of answers that question or tries to. It's it's about the positive effects that we can have on others, mm. right? Like, because everybody is going to be here for a while, right. and then everybody's not going to be. But while you're here, don't you want to live the best life you can? I do. I do. I'll affirm that, <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. All right, we go to Tyrell singing Christmas songs that really annoy Elliot. Uh, Elliot Swedish. Yeah, all, Swedish Christmas songs. Did you get the translation? I didn't look this up. I mean, it's, it's just a bunch of uh, jingle bells and the okay. word bork. Over and over again. So <laughs> bork. I, yeah, yeah. Really? Uh, no, Is it like that's a, a that's a sweet that's a thing? Swedish chef kind of bork bork or oh, You know. Uh, okay. <laughs> say, oh, I mean, Santa's, Nick, bork, Santa's bork. ho 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 doesn't mean a damn jingle, thing. Jingle. So yeah, no, I, I don't know. Did you look at the? No. Did you, okay, I didn't. Uh, yeah. So Elliot snaps at him. Tyrell says uh, Elliot's never cared to win anyone's approval, and they hear traffic on the road and see lights, so they run up to the road and realize. Oops, they've walked in a big circle when they spot the stop and shop again. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a bad way to live, Elliot's Elliot's outlook. And I, I think that's the thing, you know, that Tyrell's so jealous of Elliot because he's never really grappled with that that question of meaning. Well, it's also kind of like, a, a, this is probably, this sounds like an ex, something that would be in a French play on existentialism. Yeah. But the idea that we don't have accurate windows in other people's souls, like Tyrell's uh-huh. got a completely false idea of who Elliot is. The Elliot, a- Elliot is just as afraid of fitting in and, you know, maybe he does a better job of faking it or maybe that's his, like, you mm-hmm. know, 
Tyrell's armor is beating up homeless people and wearing $6,000 suits. Elliot's armor is retreating into his uh, jet black hoodie. But they yeah. both have the same kind of societal alienation and damage. It's just uh, it that just Elliot is not. Differently. Yeah, Elliot is not freaking the fuck out about it. Like Tyrell, it's written all over every action he takes. I mean, that's the thing is like Elliot is freaking the fuck out. Like he's like much more emotional this season, and yeah. you know he's 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 uh, gone to gone to plenty of dark places. It's just that I I don't know. Like uh, it's harder to tell when Elliot is like kind of taking days off or slumming, you know, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, uh, I, I guess that would wear, you know, you leave, uh, you leave, uh, uh, Tyrell in a cabin for six months. He's got a, uh, what didn't he have like a full beard? And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm trying to say is like, they're, they're, they're different sides of the same coin. Yeah. Um, and like the, it's also like the opposite of crazy is still crazy. Um, like you look at a guy who spends crazy amount of money and time and attention to his physical appearance to look like, you know, something socially acceptable and successful. Um, and Elliot is the opposite. He doesn't, but they both, um, those are just different ways of displaying the same sort of alienation and loneliness. Absolutely. The same, yeah. Struggle with meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really actually pretty effective thematically, which is why I say this is like a fucking Mad Men episode. Um, so then Drunken Santa says he dresses up for sick kids on Christmas, and he does this every year, and then he goes out and he gets drunk with his buddies, uh, and he, he talks about how some of these kids seem like they're just born to die, as we mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, also, he mentions his wife was in an accident, and he now has Percocet to deal with the pain. It was easier. It's easier to do this each year when my wife was with me. But ever since the <laughs> right. accident, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's great. It's really great. Sometimes is, it is didn't. It, then is he, it too much? Sometimes it, the pain is just too great. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm so torn on these things because I find myself like very much enjoying the the process here. Mm-hmm. When I look back at it, I'm like, it's so fucking cute. It's so cute. Like, just the misunderstanding is just, like, so sitcom-y, but it's couched in darkness, so it's not a sitcom. I but at the same get, time, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's there. There's that's the your answer. Line. It worked because, like, honestly, I think that we starve for a little bit of light and levity in Mr. Robot, and, yeah. you know, getting something in the middle of a pretty dark episode. Uh, you, know, met, you know, Christmas is... Uh, uh, it's is really close to the winter solstice, so it's like literally the darkest time of the year too. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, hang up some Christmas lights. Give me some fucking jingle bells. Oh, make, he make hung me up laugh. some fucking Councilman lights. Jam, drunk jam. <laughs> right. He he hung up some fucking lights, man. His house is decked out. Yeah, I wish yeah. I could do that to my house. Well, you remember, like, uh, I was trying to express you the concept of Swizzbold. Yeah, like uh, it says uh, uh, a term that Cecily coined a few years back to describe this particular house. Yeah, where it's just like, uh, <laughs> like like a, a Christmas section threw up on a house, um, and it's just like it like like if it was half as much, you'd say it's tacky and mm-hmm. too much. But they did twice as much, so it become it comes out the other side being just kind of amazing. Yeah. That's not the. This is not the house of a, a severely depressed man that's about to kill himself on Christmas. I wouldn't think so. Although maybe, maybe he's. That's the Tyrell Wellick of houses. Right. This is the six thousand dollar Christmas suit of houses. Just, <laughs> just, just propping up the rot and decay and the meaninglessness. 
Could be. Uh, all right, Dom. You know what? We should remix this thing where, like, when Councilman Jam comes out to confront her for the last time, once he goes back in the house and shuts the door, we we add in a gunshot sound. <laughs> so it turns out that he just he just didn't want... He had a plan. Uh-huh. Darlene was trying to fuck with it, so he just denied everything <laughs> and t- took care of himself. I would put two gunshots in there. <laughs> it's a murder-suicide? Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Holy shit! Just because this need this episode needed more darkness. Uh, what's his wife's name's Kathy? No, no more back pain, Kathy. <laughs> Santa got you, got you a permanent epidural. Oh uh, man! Yeah, and smash cut to Elliot <laughs> shouting. What's Kamu Jesus say about that? Let's, let's get, that's, I don't that's know the Kamu got that that existential man. Stranger podcast. Uh, all right, we go back to Dom, who is entertaining her female caller with half a beer and an equal amount of finger banging. Uh, she goes to her bathroom, which is filled with flower petals. Her lady friend busts in in a dark army mask and drowns her in the bathtub, yeah. telling her to give up control, realize she'll never be free. Then she wakes up. Mm-hmm. It's all a dream. She's still in her bed with her chat window logged in. Uh, her mom called. She missed Christmas Eve dinner. If Dom fucks this woman... With Alexa playing music in the background, does that count as a threesome? <laughs> no, Alexa's just watching. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, you got a yeah. you got a voyeur thing going on, sure. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, she's always listening. That's for damn sure. She sure fucking is. Uh, did you recognize Irene from the Deuce? I didn't. You said that scene. and it blew me away. In fact, I, I want to watch this again once once we're done, just because I yeah, like uh, Irene on Deuce does not read like sexy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I thought, yeah, when she showed up, I'm like, damn, Darlene really uh won the Catfish Award of the Year, getting <laughs> like some random yeah. person on the internet to be a uh, a secret lesbian and super hot. We should have known that it was a dream right then and there. Well, and then when she went in and like they saw the bathroom and all the candles and flower petals, I was yeah. like, literally, what the fuck? But then I thought, well, maybe Darlene did that because she spruced up the and she was like wanting the angle to get him in. Darlene it. snuck into Dom's I'm house. I'm sorry, <laughs> fucking Dom did that. And but then Dom's face looked confused. And I'm like, well, what yeah. the hell's going on? And then. Then the devil mask came out and like, well, it's all it's all over. Yeah. Uh, I still wasn't sure it was a dream until she fucking woke up. Yo, no, I didn't. I, I, I thought this was Dark Army fucking yeah. with her and like it's going to they're going to choke her and then bring her back to life or do CPR on her and be like, this is what happens to girls mm-hmm. who touch themselves instead of working for the Dark Army on Christmas <laughs> Eve. Like, right. I don't know what the lesson would be, but yeah, but yeah. Uh, so this dream is super interesting for a couple of reasons. A, the dream itself, but B. This is a recurring dream that she's had before, and someone on Reddit pointed out that it it's a dream she told Angela about in season two, episode nine. Yep, right around the forty-two minute language. mark of that episode. Yeah, so in that episode, she says, "I had this dream, which, if you know me, is pretty rare. It was good at first, exciting. Uh, there was this beautiful woman, sexy even, but then, man, did it go downhill fast. By the end, I was being choked underwater." And she continues later, "In that dream I had when I was being drowned." Uh, it was when I stopped fighting it, when I finally let it go and stopped struggling so much. That's when I survived. Does Camus have anything to say about that? Yeah, fuck yeah, he does. Okay. Yeah, it's it's all about the the surrender to the inevit- inevitability hmm. of death. Uh, it frees her from having to worry about her death. And I think this means, this implies that Darlene is now going to fight back. It could potentially also imply that she's just not going to give a fuck. You're talking about Dom or Darlene? Because I think you just did. I I infected you. Dom's going to sneak into Darlene's house, Uh put rose petals in her bathtub. (laughs) 
<laughs> you did. Sorry. I'm talking about Dom the whole time. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, I think Dom is going to start to fight back against the Dark Army with little regard for her own I mean, life. I, we've been rooting for Dom to join forces yes. with Team F Society, like, literally since she, she stumbled onto the stage in Season 2. Yeah. So... That would be satisfying. I think that would be that would be very cool. I think so. And and you know, it'd be super awkward when uh, you know Darlene and Dom meet together because like the last time they met, Dom set her on fire emotionally. She took uh, all five gallons of emotional gasoline, poured it on her, and then threw the match. It was oh yeah, was that was fun. right after that was at the barn. Yeah, yeah. And you're like the worst. You're like the worst person. I, I forget exactly wow. everything she said that was pretty accurate. Uh, I, I, yeah, and then here she is getting off to her interrogation footage. It's do you ugh. think it's possible that Elliot won't survive the end of this season, and like Dar, like some kind of team of Darlene and Dom will have to bring whatever they're trying to bring over the finish line over the finish line? Because I'm starting to think that I'm starting to think that Elliot might not make it out of this season. Like I'm, I'd be shocked if he like died like at the halfway point. But there's a lot of fucking death metaphors. Like if they this could be setting us up for that. If, yeah. if this uh, this coyote in the woods is like the howl of death, the people here, like yeah. you know, Elliot was in the woods uh, hearing it too. That's, that's true. That's pretty pretty damning. Yeah, I, I think everyone hears that. You know, everyone thinks about their yeah. immortality at some point, right? Yeah. And it's just a matter of how you react to it. Tyrell had one reaction. Uh, Elliot Elliot claims in one of these scenes that he sort of accepted the fact that he was dead yeah. the moment that truck or that van disappeared. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's Esmail telling us, like, you need to accept the inevitability of Elliot's death uh, and really every character on this show before the end of this thing. There's a lot of people not not taking that advice. There's a lot of people in denial about various deaths of various uh, characters. Yeah, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. It, uh, that's not me. Okay. For sure. Uh, then we go, to, we get finally get to Drunken Santa's house, which I mentioned is decked the fuck out in Christmas gear. Uh, also, his own car is in the driveway. <laughs> Turns out they stole someone else's car. Uh Tobias, which is the drunken Santa, says something ominous about goodbyes, and Darlene begs him not to kill himself. Unfortunately, she's completely misread the situation. Instead, the drunken Santa asks if she's okay and offers to talk about her problems. Uh, but she tells him she's lost everyone, or I guess, and she tells him she's lost everyone except her brother. She's super worried about him. Uh, drunken Santa just says, okay, and he goes right back inside his house. The other thing that's funny about this is that he keeps calling her Dolly. Yeah. Like she he did that at the very beginning is like whatever, but after she like levels and and does all this stuff, she comes back with the the Dolly. It's uh, it's just really uh, funny. This guy's timing is is exquisite. It is. It really is. Uh and maybe my new favorite phrase from Mr. Robot is Christmas, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just really good. Anything to comment on uh yeah here's here's a big plot hole uh they put up these fucking christmas decorations the other night last night my his wife threw his bed like there's no fucking way the 24th of december i felt like maybe they started putting the decorations up like the day after thanksgiving they just finally fucking finished maybe but yeah i don't i don't buy mr christmas santa volunteering for the cancer kids at Mm. the cancer institute is going to be you know putting this shit up at december 23rd it's way too an involved process. Yeah. He could be lying. He could be Dark Army. It's confirmed. 
No, right. he's he's uh, Tobias is the third unknown personality. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that jokingly <laughs> thrown around, which I think is hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, so we were back in the woods, and as they walk, Elliot realizes, oh, it's Christmas. Uh, Tyrell's losing hope that they'll find the town, and he asks if Elliot ever cared about him at all. Elliot responds, matter of fact, no. I was this whole scene. Like, no, because I, if you've been with this episode, this podcast a long time, I've hated Wellick <laughs> from the very fucking yeah, beginning. from the first bum beating, you I, hated him. I really hate this guy, and I will want to ask the question at some point is, what was the point of Tyrell's character? Mm. But like this whole time, where it's like, did you ever care? I'm like, no, no. I fuck. I th- your wife was way more interesting, and she wasn't even interesting, and she's been dead for like two fucking seasons. No, go, go die. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I just, I've always fucking hated this guy, and I was screaming at my TV the whole time. No, I don't care about you. I don't care about you. Uh, why are we still like? You haven't had anything to do for like three seasons. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Elliot's going to, to to have some affection for him. Yeah, I, I do want to get back around to you know what was the point of Tyrell mm-hmm. uh, at the end of this episode because I do think he's dead at the end. So like now is probably the time to talk about it's it. A fair question, yeah, yeah, because I think it is an interesting question. Uh, so we'll get there. Anyway, as as like I said, they're walking in the woods. They get into a shouting match after Tyrell says, "Go on without me." Uh, and the shouting match is over Elliot's detachment, which seems to have some kind of effect on Tyrell. Uh, he comes back to give, or, or, or I guess uh, an effect on Elliot because he spins back around and gives Tyrell a pep talk of sorts. There's also, there's, there's a bracket of this, another soliloquy by Mr. Robot where he says, we we usually think of ourselves when we're looking for things that are lost, but yes. we don't think of the things that are lost. Like, you know, what becomes of the car keys, what becomes of this... Uh, you know, what if what if the lost doesn't want to be found, which is describing certainly seems like it describes Elliot's like he Elliot would yeah. rather be just left alone. Yeah. And Darlene is desperately trying to find him. Right. Right. Tyrell is desperately trying to find him. Like, right. Yeah. He, he doesn't want any of that. And and they do, you know, conspicuous camera moves. They say like, oh, whether it be like a lost set of keys and they show Darlene or two guys wandering in the woods. I don't know what the wandering in the woods part is about. It could simply be, you know, the, the struggle that is life, trying to understand life. Um, it could be this literally these two guys walking in the woods, you know. Yeah, but how that relates to like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could be literally just two guys lost in the woods. He's being ironic in his internal monologue. Yeah, of his second personality. <laughs> Certainly not out of out of character. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, and so he he's uh, the other thing that's notable about this scene is. Uh, Elliot's talking about how he needs to continue so that his sister can survive. Um, and I think that's one of the most important points because, like It's a Wonderful Life, it comes down on the side of, like, the meaning of life is the effect that you have on other people. And, you know, ultimately, of course, it's all pointless. But it's not pointless in the moment. It's only pointless in the future and the past. So, you know, live live that best moment, essentially. Um guess we kind of covered that whole scene drunk santa comes back out to tell darlene uh she should worry about herself as well as her brother and wishes her a merry christmas short scene there yeah it's interesting because like the one of the the big conflicts is that darlene has got this uh, enormous amount of um uh resentment towards elliot of all the sacrifices she's made for him and the fact that he seems uh unable to make sacrifices and the way she leaves these angry yeah. phone call like messages and then deletes them is like she's got all these things that she needs to say 
she doesn't think he understands but like this dialogue reveals that he's aware he's a he's self-aware enough to know that he is a really terrible brother and that he has made her life just hell and yeah. that all he wants now is to try to give her a little chance chance at life uh and i thought that yeah. was it's one of those things where it's two sides of uh of a it's it's two sides of a story and there's no communication in there but it was kind of nice like that it's the episode starts with her irately cursing him out and saying what an asshole brother he is mm -hmm. and then it's him like admitting like it almost like he got the message without getting it yeah yeah it's it's nice it's also sad it's yeah. like uh -huh. it's bittersweet it's yeah perfect for this episode um you have anything you have to say about drunken santa Nope. Okay. Then we'll move on to the the crew in the woods coming upon a dead deer in the road, and they find also the van crash nearby, and they approach the driver, uh, and he starts shooting at him, and then he kills himself. Unfortunately, Tyrell was shot in that process, and he says, "I'm done." And he Unfortunately, walks off. quote unquote. Yeah, well, yeah. Unfortunately for Tyrell, uh, yeah, he walks off, leaving Elliot to take care of the van and White Rose on his own. That shot of him walking into the, into the, the, into fog, the mist, yeah. I just, yeah, I can't shake the image of that shot because it's so beautiful. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, I was reading an interview with Sam Esmail, who says that the sound that they were hearing in the woods mm -hmm. is the howl of death, and and I think you called it that earlier mm -hmm. in the episode too, um, which you know ties in nicely with the themes that they're going for here, and I, I think. I think it's like really poignant when we get to the very end with Tyrell looking down at this thing that's howling um, and sort of, I think, smiling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to read Tyrell sometimes with yeah. his facial expressions. He has inappropriate re emotional reactions to stimulus, I think. He does sometimes, uh -huh. yeah. So tough to read him, but that's kind of where I thought he was going with that. Okay. Um, because, you know, he finally finds this sense of freedom in his own death. And he says, you know, like, oh, now finally my... My kid will be okay. Um, and to I, me, that's because he's going to be dead. There's no leverage anymore. I kept on expecting Darlene to show up like a day of yeah, sex yeah. machina, except for it wouldn't be because they neatly explained why she'd be in the area. And I just thought, uh -huh. like, there would be this confluence of events where she just... It, it seemed like they were even telling that story where the cuts became quicker and quicker back between her and Elliot and her screaming in the car out of frustration not being able to find her brother. Um, but they didn't. They didn't. I, I think it's still a possibility. Because like if they're gonna burn this van, they uh -huh. still have no way to get to where they're going, right? Right. Um, so I assume, yeah, she'll come rolling up maybe next episode. Where'd burn a van in the middle of the night where no one's gonna find it. I mean, I guess it's okay if they find it. They just don't want any evidence in it, right? Hmm. Find the so, burnt out husk. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's good. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, so Darlene, like you mentioned, is driving toward the city, then stops and has a sort of crisis, crisis of conscience. Dom is splashing her face with water, and Tyrell finds this blue glowing thing in the woods as the screen fades to white. Yeah, so like, I'm with you on is Tyrell dead? I think it's like I'm probably 80% sure he is, mm -hmm. but... I don't understand what they're doing with the blue light and the howling and him falling to his knees and finding something and smiling. That does seem so, like you're telling a fine story of this guy exiting the series and then you're doing this just to what? Fuck with people? It's very fucking artistic and literary. I don't think any of it is meant to be taken. Like he doesn't find a fucking blue light 
in the woods. But what's the art? So what's the it, artist? It's like Pulp Fiction, right? Like there, there isn't a glowing brick of gold in that yeah, suitcase. But, but, but that that was a MacGuffin. Like uh-huh. you have to make it in mysterious. That served to drive the plot forward. This doesn't seem like it is. No, this is a metaphor. What's it a metaphor for? Death. Finding blue, howling happiness blue light. and death. Yeah, like the, the happiness and the acceptance of death. Like is there something he isn't in the, dead in, in this Camus moment, but he's accepted that, that, that he's that, dead. Huh. Yeah, I mean the whole story of the stranger is that. That's that's what the entire book is about: is the inevitability of death and the acceptance of that. I mean, I guess if like they did, like and the I, happiness seen, that comes after it. I've seen this stuff like this before, where like I like uh, Vince Vaughn in season two of uh, True Detective, where Walk into the you know desert, he yeah. he he gets up and he gets a new uh, 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 a second wind, but then he looks behind him and he sees his his body's already dead. Like yeah. I don't know. This is the if if that's what they're going for. I just want to go on record saying it's the most half-assed fucking metaphor <laughs> for that thing. Because it's especially on this show, it does seem intentionally just to get people to speculate on what it all means. If it just means, oh, he accepts death. There's a lot of ways you can visually tell that story without a fucking flashing purple light mm. that's howling, you know, because like the yeah, I, I just think that adds ambiguity, ambiguity to what's what's happening um, where it doesn't need to be. But I mean, I had no fucking idea what was going on right. until I did a shitload of research on The Stranger. I'm just not sure what, so what, uh, hmm. yeah, I guess you're saying that, like the acceptance of death, um, yeah, which is that's why the, the thing, smile's like, on his if, face. If that it's... only reads that, if you've, if you fully got that stuff in the source material, I almost feel like then the episode's text is a failure because like, surely you're not expected to read a French, French philosophy play to, to understand, right. you know, especially in a, in a show that begs you to like think of the significance of the painting that's hanging on the wall behind yes, and that's, Dom's head, you know. That's always been the contrast of this show that I've never, has never quite jived with me. Like, it, uh, notoriously, I hated season two mm-hmm. because all everything Angela was doing and the vast majority of that season was simply metaphor and themes. And, like, I liked Mad Men. I think Mad Men did this admirably where they mm-hmm. took the themes but they hung them on a plot that made perfect sense and yeah, was engaging on its own right. You did not need any of that to understand. It was like you did not, it was no. more texture and subtextual understanding and you know, but like I, I You're I don't right. Know. A blue glowing light in the woods makes zero sense in terms of reality. It only makes sense in the metaphor. And if you're not versed in or or willing to spend five fucking hours reading the cliff notes and theme thematic discussion and analysis on a book yeah then it doesn't make any sense my first my first thought is like okay what do i know about white rose in new york she's operating a nuclear reactor is like this some kind of like fucking <laughs> radioacting that's like letting off that what is that that sharing off radiation that, okay. like that, that like sickly blue glow like is this that's literally what yeah. I was thinking. Like, oh, there is some kind of like gadget that that that's going to come into play, but I, I don't know. And I want, but it's honestly, totally not beyond Smail to do this purely thematic. Uh, you're right, but it's also metaphorical I, I, shit. I'm that's why I'm only eighty percent sure because there's a twenty percent chance that there is some kind of fucking bullshit that he found out there that is going to be significant. Yeah. I mean, it's it's possible. I'm I'm as close to 100 percent sure as you could possibly be, given the metaphor of, of this you've entire the, yeah, episode. You've accepted death into your life. It's... I have. I've accepted Sam Esmail's <laughs> uh, worldview uh-huh. into my life, and now I'm happy. All right, I'm just enjoying. I'm not questioning the blue lights. You've learned to love the Big Brother Esmail. Absolutely. Here, here's another question, though, a more grounded question, less thematic. 
how does Tyrell's death, if he's in fact dead, if you believe that, affect the plans to make him CEO and to continue with the Deus project? So that's the big, that's, it's like almost like Tyrell has been reduced to a MacGuffin himself these last few seasons. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a really good way to look at it. Um, so maybe that's that the, 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 he is the, the shiny suitcase that's opening up and reflecting uh-huh. off his own face because yeah, I don't, it it clearly is going to gum up her works, um, but to what extent? I don't I don't know. I mean, it they can't unless there's a backup CEO to the already like bad choice of Tyrell Wellick as CEO. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they can go ahead with the scheduled meeting. Does this does this inadvertently destroy Elliot's plan as well? That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's throwing multiple plans into chaos. Um... Although I guess it's not really White Rose's plan was just to accelerate her plans to make Elliot to force Elliot into a mistake, which seems yeah, like it's to, worked. To get She's forced to make several mistakes. Congo. I, I guess d- does the project coming over rely anymore on the Deus group? I don't. Or is know. it just so she, far in she, motion? I mean, that no. I mean, that's one. It. That's one of the things she said that we. I this close to my plan, I can't afford any kind of disruptions when she smashed the tree to the ground. Fucking disruption. Yeah, no. I think that you that there. That, that's the same reason why I think Elliot's technically being kept alive because if something goes wrong, he's the only one that could fix it. Like because mm, yeah. otherwise, she's just keeping him alive to what gloat over him in some kind of James Bond capacity and like, right. you know, rub his nose in the destruction of the world that he wanted to, to, to prevent. Like I, that doesn't seem like a white rose move. So there must be still, this plan must not be a foregone conclusion as of yet, but, okay. but that's the thing is it wasn't her plan. She's only wanting to do this to placate Philip price. So, I don't know where this leads because obviously Tyrell's not going to show up. But that's the other thing is like she's not going to cancel the meeting in advance. Like, is it ever going to show up and just Tyrell's not going to be there? Is there going to be some kind of power struggle? I I, I don't know. Yeah, so maybe it doesn't fuck up Elliot's plans. Like, all he wants is everybody in the same room. Right. For some reason. Right. Uh, So, yeah, they probably, you're right, they will meet anyway i can see that causing a lot of internal division within the deus group because like white rose brings them all in this very inconvenient time and Mm -hmm. then to anoint a new successor to the figurehead of the company who doesn't even bother to show up uh is she gonna have to elect herself as ceo of e corp i don't what kind of conflict of interest would that be i oh yeah i can't see that happening what would the fcc say or the ftc say about a chinese national that heads their security division Uh uh national security division just becoming the ceo of the the north america's largest corporation the world's largest corporation yeah right yeah, I'm sure that would be that 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 would be approved, no problem. <laughs> so I assume we're going to get some insight into who might be on the Deus group. It's possible the one of them will just get voted in, right? Yeah. Like, yes, White Rose wanted to nominate her own sort of uh, scapegoat and puppet, but like, barring that, they'll have to nominate somebody. Yeah, in a weird twist of events, one of the members of the Deus group, uh, senator from Vermont, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And there's going to be a weird vote that it has him, and he's just going to instantly implement socialism. And White uh-huh. Rose goes down. You know, he's going to turn <laughs> that. Have he's going to turn that White Rose red, baby. <laughs> uh, workers of the world unite. So yeah, I, 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 I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this: hmm. You're asking what 
what his death means going forward. I ask you, what the fuck does, Ty- does Tyrell's life mean? In like, the show? Because here's why I'm saying If you take Tyrell and his dopey wife and you just take him and fuck him off from the whole exile of him from the series, mm-hmm. you got a tight three season arc. Because, yeah. like, I can't think of anything that Tyrell did that you couldn't have, like, a member of F Society do better. Like, does he... Yeah, even the attacks on the E-Corp building. Yeah, like, if you need a foil for Elliot, just have, like, one of, like, maybe someone... There's, like, more internal division in F Society. Like, maybe someone is working to undermine him. Maybe someone thought... You know, they already had that. Like, we saw... Was it Romano was the one that was kind of very... Romero, skept- yeah. Romero was the one that was very skeptical of, like, his methods and whether he's going too far. Like... Yeah, I I always thought that he was he seemed like a fake hacker. He seemed like I didn't buy him as like Elliot's equal but opposite. Like I've always thought he's half baked and stupid. And I now that he's being rid out early in the series without really being given anything to do other than serving as a MacGuffin to advance White Rose's plot. I just don't I wonder if I I wonder what Esmail wanted to do with Wellick and if he accomplished those goals because mm. it feels like that's it just feels like this that whole plot is a, a little bit of a misfire yeah i agree with you um i was trying to view the whole series through this lens of camu which i think is borderline a mistake <laughs> uh you probably shouldn't but looking at tyrell he always kind of has been a little off kilter and if you want to say that's because he you know he doesn't he doesn't have an answer to the question, like what is the meaning of his life? And so he's kind of just thrashing around trying to find it. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. But I don't is chaos interesting for the sake of chaos? I I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily think so. No. Like I said, I I 
don't know about that. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you because, I, yeah, I think you could replace Tyrell with, uh, like, for instance, Angela. She could be sort of a foil for Elliot at the time she needs to be. Yeah. She was a, a convert Cause, cause at I one get point. Why, I get the impulse of why you think you need a Wellick because, like... White in the season one, White Rose and Philip Price are just gods compared to Elliot's, yeah. like you know, mortal. And him going toe to toe would be kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You need you need some kind of uh, proxy war to go on with. I just I just felt Wellick was a was, was a poor choice. Yeah, I think I largely agree with you. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe the next uh, few episodes will prove me wrong. We'll see. It's the end of the episode. All right. Uh, I do have a bit of feedback. Robot at baldmove.com if you'd like to send in your thoughts to us. First up, Adam H. Guys, I have to say, I was highly confused by you dismissing the fact that last week uh, the clip from Dan Carlin's Hardcore History was playing in the taxidermy shop uh, Mm -hmm. and that was from the Prophets of Doom episode, specifically near the beginning where Dan talks about the historical nature of torture as punishment and how it compared to things like the brutality of Charles Manson, etc. Okay. Who's Dan Carlin? Dan Carlin is the host of Hardcore History. and What he, is Hardcore History? Hardcore History is a podcast that talks about historical subjects in incredible, uh, entertaining detail. Never heard of it. I, I We're both big fans, <laughs> and I guess that's why I was so dismissive, yeah. because I was shocked that I would hear Dan Carlin's distinctive voice and not immediately recognize it for what it was. And I... When I heard... So, and I almost, like, uh, just, like, okay, whatever. I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I'm... So confident that I'm just going to dismiss this guy and not read it, but there's something about the conviction he had that I went and watched that episode, and sure enough, it's fucking Dan Carlin, and yeah. it's recognized by Dan Carlin. Absolutely, I don't, I can't fucking believe I missed that. So same here, Mia culpa, Adam. Thank you for correcting the record. Um, he also wanted to talk about the symbol symbolism of this prophet of dooms. He goes, "Why the term prophet uh, can certainly be attached to White Rose. What really stood out to me is that in the end." These Anabaptist leaders were skinned alive with hot iron. So the this Prophet of Doom episode is about the uh, a religious rebellion around the German town of Munster, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, and there is this sea, like so you had this like uh, like offshoot cult that took over this the the town, and then you had whatever the primary Christian denomination sieging it and wanting to retake it for the faith, and uh, you know, just, just how, how terrible all this stuff went down. Oh man. Um, so he says, uh, at at the end, the Anabaptist leaders were skinned alive with hot iron. It'd be a one hell of a force coincidence to have that episode playing while they feature a taxidermy shop on screen and a deer getting its skin, uh, placed. My guess is that really the scene is foreshadowing that, that may happen to Dom or her mother or someone where we see some human taxidermy at work. Hmm. Um, I saw some people throwing this around online that like Dom's going to go over to dinner one day and her mom and dad are going to be stuffed. Oh, that's I mean, dark. yeah, but like, you know, Irv was just a car used car salesman and he ended up butchering a dude with an ax. So like, if you have someone as creepy, someone doing something mm-hmm. as creepy as, as a taxidermy, apology to the taxidermist out there it's kind of a creepy profession okay <laughs> apology to the creeps out there and i feel like you're you're probably yeah yeah we we like to stuff dead animals why we listen to prophets of doom sue us it's like <laughs> kind of like coroners morticians there's a you yeah. know it's it's a little creepy mm-hmm. it's a little creepy they got uh, a lot of ear time though they probably make up a good portion of our audience <laughs> i'm gonna say we shouldn't true. we shouldn't insult them um 
yeah like it's you know I, I, let me check your itunes stats fuck 97 percent <laughs> of our audience is involved in, in in death as an industry in some way wow uh, do you think that there's any there there uh yeah it could be they're gonna go full on hannibal lecter there are going to be consequences if if dom does what i think she's going to do which is defy the dark army if they get wind of it there are going to be consequences and that could be i mean it's been explicitly said we're going to harm your family so yeah that could be the end game here hmm. uh john from columbus ohio a fellow buckeye says hey guys just finished episode four and had a quick thought Ever since you guys mentioned some sort of Sixth Sense type uh, twist, I've been trying to pay closer attention. Do you guys feel that it was strange that Wellick was shot? Uh, or the way that Wellick was shot, the camera angle they showed certainly appeared like the guy in the van shot towards Elliot and then shot himself. Wellick was on the opposite side of the van. Are mm. we thinking that the other Elliot personality, the quote-unquote evil one, turned the gun on Wellick somehow? Eva Elliot might have thought he needed to dispose of him, and this would be the time and place to do it. So I thought... I watched this scene a couple times. Yep, same. And I thought he shot at Elliot, yep. blew out that window. Pop, he turns pop. and he blasts a couple more shots, Driver's which are shown side. in a very quick insert shot of the other window blowing out. Pop, pop, yep. Yeah. And then the one underneath his chin, pop. Yeah, so I'm not surprised that, El- that Tyrell got shot. Yeah. That's what it looked like. He's he's firing wild out of both windows, and yeah. Tyrell took one in the gut. Um, so whether, you know, Wellick survives or not, I don't know. Because there's like some of this... Some of this uh, Wellick is alive theory is like, you know, Wellick was the first one to see the deer. He could have sm- like smeared blood from the deer into like. I know, man. They're they're really talking yeah, it was like, about. It was like a 27 bullet point theory and it was all stuff like that. In my opinion, complete bullshit. Yeah. Sorry to the Redditor who came up with it, but I just mm-hmm. don't buy it. I think thematically this episode is telling us 100% that he's dead. And and I just I can't imagine that that's an accident. Hmm. Well, that's all the feedback we have this week, which means we're all out of podcasts, too. If you'd like to send us more, please do so. Robot at BaldMove.com. You can also talk about the for, uh, excuse me, talk about the episode each week on our forums with your fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com. Follow along with everything we do on all the social medias at BaldMove and at BaldMove.com. Until next week, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. Thank you.